Hello, no shame in the home gamers. Editing Lacey here to give you a quick update on what's going on. After weeks of chaos, I am moved into my house and ready to jump back into being shameless. Thank you for your patience while we got everything up and running again. This is the start of our in-between seasons content. You're going to hear from us every other week. One episode will be an expert in a area or topic. And then the next episode will be Sarah and I talking about it and how we will use their knowledge moving forward. We're starting to work on season two and we'll update you when we get things rolling. We are still accepting applications for season two participants if you're looking for help. And you can get that at noshameinthehomegame.com. All right, let's jump into the episode. Well, welcome to No Shame in the Home Game, the podcast that cares how your house feels and that looks. I'm Lacey, and I'm just a, an ornament today. I'm here to listen to our experts as far as co-hosts go. Speaking of experts, we have Sarah, who is our knowledgeable co-host. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Lacey. Oh, I'm so happy on Mondays because I know I get to see you. It's like my cookie, like after having to eat my vegetables. I'm like, I get to see Lacey this afternoon. Sarah, I'm going to let you drive this car down the road. Yes. So as we told our listeners, after we were done with our participants, we were going to bring on some specialists to talk about different subjects that would be helpful in home management and especially when you live with other people. So I met Deb Porter, who runs Hold, Hearing Out Life Drama, and works with people around learning to listen. And I met with Deb, and the more I learned, the more I thought, oh my goodness, every single one of my clients would benefit from this knowledge. So I was very excited that Deb was willing to come on and share what she knows and give some tips, hopefully, to some of our listeners because our home should be our happy place where we come home to feel restored and renewed. And I think everybody knows those moments where your home is not restored. And sometimes listening has to do with it. So Deb, thank you for coming. And if you would like to introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about your work and what lights you up. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you. What lights me up is listening. Isn't that strange? <laughs> Perfect. But it really does. I love to listen to people simply because um, when you really do that, people feel better after. And I just love that feedback of, oh my God, I feel amazing now. So that's really what I'm about is um, hearing people where they're at and teaching people how to do that. Because a lot of times people... I mean, 2% of people in our nation have been taught to actively listen. That's not very many people. Most of us didn't get it in school. It wasn't taught. I mean, we were told to sit down, be quiet in kindergarten, and then we were expected to remember that when we went to first grade and second grade, et cetera. And it wasn't until I got into my master's program that I actually learned what it meant to really listen. And what? Yeah. And could you give us, not the master's level definition, but could you tell us, like, what does it mean to really listen? How do you... What's your elevator pitch to people on that? The foundation of what I teach is called the core of listening. And it's, uh, it's an acronym. I use it as an acronym. So it helps people remember when they're in those conversations. And it stands for calm, outcome, relate, and empathize. And we really go deep into this in our course that's being released on October 4th, Listen Your Way to Deeper Connections. 
but we really go into what does it mean to be calm? What does it mean to set an outcome? How do you do that? How do you even do this? What does that mean? Um, and then deeper into relate and empathy as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so you said you, you went to school for this, for this program or how did you learn this? How did you learn this set of tools and knowledge? My background is at, and my training is actually as a United Methodist pastor. I have a 96 um, master divinity degree with a specialization in care and counseling. That's my background. I left the church pretty early on after I started. I served a church full time for three years. I had a family member that came out as gay. And during that same time frame, there was upheaval in the church. There were My colleagues were being put on church trial because of marrying same-sex individuals. And that wasn't something I just knew that if any, if my family member ever came to me and said, will you marry me? My answer would have been yes. Of course, my answer is yes. Uh, I realized that I should probably not stay in the church if I didn't want to lose my pension and (laughs) and all of the things that I saw people losing. They lost their credentials, their pensions. It was horrific. So distressing. I can't even, and it was hard to leave because I'd spent all this time in education and I really have a passion for helping people. And I thought that was the way I was going to do it. But Hold is, I don't need to have religion be behind what I do. I really don't. It's not, a, it's not a part of what I'm practicing now. It's really just about helping people be better in their lives and have better relationships through listening. That's so great. Yeah. And that's interesting as you say that because it makes sense when I think of people going to a religious leader, it's often because they just need somebody to listen and hold that space and so often we can't get those from, you know, from family members. And so that's, it's an interesting, it makes sense as a natural transition because you are already holding space for people and yeah. now you're doing it. Like you said, you're still doing it, but just not with the religious aspect. That's beautiful. Yeah. I really began to understand my husband was very, very ill for eight years, critically ill. And it was during that time that I really began to realize how many people aren't trained to listen. My family and friends, they really they wanted to help me, but they didn't know how to sit with or stay in the midst of those really intense feelings of complexity and deep sadness and all of those things. It was deep. It was hard. And instead, they would offer me solutions and they would try to fix and they would stumble into those common listening mistakes that the course teaches about. <laughs> and their hearts were in the right place. They loved me. They wanted to do. They wanted to help. But without having the training, they didn't know how to stay in their center. They didn't know how to stay, keep their own calm and not get pulled off. And I really saw a need for this already then. And I think that was kind of bubbling and forming in my life during that, that eight-year time frame. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw Deb and the listeners can't see, but Lacey was adamantly nodding her head as Deb was talking. So Deb, Lacey is dealing with a chronic health condition, which is at the moment, technically undiagnosed. But Lacey, I know if you want to share with Deb, I know you've really dealt with how do the people who love you show up? I'm still in my kind of like Sarah said, uh, discovery phase, but it's been almost a year now, which kind of blows my mind of most likely I'm going to, I'm down the road of potentially getting a chronic fatigue syndrome diagnosis. And it's a very difficult um, disease to understand because it, everybody's like, well, I'm tired. So it's a little bit different, you know, those kinds of things. And I've found the whole of it very fascinating when it comes to support of people want to support you so badly, but have no idea how to do it and are actually a little afraid of it. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny to hear you really zone in on listening because I hadn't really thought about that a whole lot before. I had really thought of support as like a mo- 
almost like physically showing up, but not actually physically, but just like showing up for someone. But you're right. You know, when people are like, oh, so you're tired. And it's like, I get so tired that my body can't move. So like, it's a different level of tired. And it's so interesting how sometimes people get wrapped up in trying to have empathy that they don't listen. And it's it's an interesting kind of dynamic that I've been thinking or thinking about a lot. And so to really zone in on the listening aspect of it, it, you can probably hear my brain's going a million miles a minute thinking of all the different ways that's like, oh my gosh, yeah, listening's part of this, listening's part of this. You know, <laughs> it is, it really is. Yeah. And so many people just, they don't, they want to, as you're experiencing as well, they want to, they want to be they there for you. To. They want to, but they miss. And and then you, when you have an experience where you've missed, then you have to do repair work. <laughs> and yeah. that's, that's a lot of thing. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And it's a very sensitive subject because it comes from such a place of love. But there are so many things in the past that could get into somebody's way. Well, this is how I wanted, would want to get support. So I'm giving it that way. And I think listening really is at the core of it because it's a complex process, right? It, and it takes a lot of give and take, support does. And so being able to actually listen to the other person for both sides, you know, I think is a really, really big deal. It is. If any of our listeners might be dealing with a chronic illness and have a spouse, I just want to just really quickly share a resource that was very valuable to me. The Well Spouse Association at wellspouse.org. Um, if there's anybody out here listening to this right now, uh, maybe you guys could drop that in the show notes even at some point. But I highly recommend that organization. It was a lifesaver for me. My uh, I'm literally was- pulling it up right now because I want to send it to my husband because yeah. it is. It's so hard. And I mm-hmm. personally, I'm the one that's sick. So I feel like people always want to support me. And I'm like, no, I'm figuring myself out. Support him. He needs the support. And so I, I am like... Literally, we will get off this call and I'll be like, Joe, come look at this. <laughs> so thank yeah. you. Thank you for You're the welcome. recommendation. Absolutely. It's a great recommend. It's a great place. It's a great place to land. When I made my first post there, I was like, I feel like I'm an airplane crashing into this place and I feel like I'm going to scatter in a million pieces, but I'm just going to do this anyway. And so it was so poignant to be able to have the other people in the group say, uh, we've been where you are. We understand what you're going through and we're here to support you. It was so incredibly helpful. We're getting off topic now, and I'm sorry, but I just had to share that just just because. So no, no, we but, will take it. We will take. We it. always say if anything that's said helps one listener, that's all. I mean, that's or one lacy, one lacy. Gonna help one that's lacy, the best. <laughs> so there might be one person that heard that recommendation more than the lacy, more than the one of lacy. Maybe one more person, lacy plus one. So no, that's wonderful. You're a business owner who cares more about people than profits. Although you still want to make some money, of course. And that can feel mighty lonely. That's why I created Feminist Founders, a podcast that explores how to build a more equitable world through entrepreneurship. I'm Becky Mollenkamp, a coach and journalist, and I'm excited to bring you stories of people who, like you and me, are trying to change the business landscape for good. Check out Feminist Founders wherever you listen to podcasts. to go back to you were talking about how when we're little kids you know you sit down in the classroom and we're taught just follow put your head down don't make waves so imagine i love to imagine dream scenarios imagine we're taught how to listen 
from day one in school. What would be the fundamental basics that you would teach a six-year-old? And I'm just thinking, oh, as a parent, yes, I want to teach my child how to listen. So what, and this would be a great starting point. So how, what would be your first basics that you would share? With someone who's six. Okay. This is really good. Nobody, I haven't thought all the way through that yet. So I'm going to, I just have to think back to my own kids because I have two. My daughter is now 22 and my son is 18, reaching back just a little ways. But the things, the beginning things that I really tried to help them. So for example, when when I as an adult became dysregulated, that is, I didn't have my own calm and control. I would try to help them understand, look, I'm uh, an example that comes to mind is when my grandfather died, I was upset and um, my child wanted to listen and help me, but they weren't really sure what to do because <laughs> I wasn't usually presenting like this. And they're like, ah, and I'm beginning to teach them that the first thing to do is to just be calm. It's okay. It's okay if somebody's upset. And so how, so to establish that calm in yourself, why the other person's upset, it's okay. It's okay if they're angry. It's okay if it doesn't have to pull you off your center. And so trying to teach a child at six, that is something that you can do. And giving them examples when you're upset, starting, and I think it's really important to start when you are upset, because then they can begin to understand and see, okay, then this is what I do for this person. And so then I want somebody to do that for me. When I was a child, Mr. Rogers is like my hero. Like when I first started the business, I said I wanted to Mr. Rogers the world. And I actually, not long ago, I had a conversation with Dana Winters, who's now the um, executive director of the Fred Rogers Foundation. She's fantastic. And um, anyway, she said, I just love it when people make Fred into a verb. Because <laughs> that's really what I want to do is Mr. Rogers the world. She's like, I love that. I love that. And but if you think about Mr. Rogers, if from your own experience, um, I think you guys are probably old enough. Yeah, if I say Fred Rogers, you, you've watched the show. And you know how he would um, always make that eye contact and be right there with somebody. And you know how he had that soft, gentle approach to just be present. When Fred was listening, he was so present. And so really doing that with your child to model that will then help them to know, oh, that's something that I should do too. Like my kids do that because that's what I taught them. Like I showed them by my own actions, uh, through my own listening, this is what it looks like. And so they do that for others. It's really beautiful now as they're adult. Oh, God. I mean, I'm just like, that's enough. If everyone in the world could do that one step to be present, make in that, I think that's so important. If somebody else is, you know, feeling emotions wherever they are, for you to be centered and to know that you don't have to fix it right away, you don't have to match their emotions. I think sometimes we feel as though, oh, something's on fire. I should be running around with my head, you know, like on fire too. You know, that's a skill to learn as well. I mean, how many wives know when they start to tell their husbands and they just want their husbands to listen and their husband's going into problem solving mode and you're like, no, no I just want you to listen. They want to solve it. They want to fix it. They want it to be better. And so it's just thinking, wow, if everyone just did that one step, the world would be amazing. I know. Imagine applying the whole core. I know, right? <laughs> and when you say Mr. Yeah, yeah. Rogers, I instantly feel that calm. He's listening. Like, even though I never met him. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yes. As a kid, I felt like he was really listening to me, like showing up for me. And that's amazing. Yes. 
Oh, yes. I love that. Thinking about families, and it can be any mix of, you know, just people living together in a home, whatever that organization looks like, and thinking about the conflict that comes out of all those situations, <laughs> the dishes, the laundry, the picking up, the trash, the, you know, all that home management. So if you were to, if you were to have a family come to you and there's just tension around all the home management, how would you start with a family to start them to understand how to listen or even to understand why it's important? How would you start to introduce that topic? I think it's important to know that in any relationship, this is true and this is true. So you have your truth and the other person has their truth. And so this is the power of and. I've written about this a lot, the power of. And so to be able to really get somewhere, a lot of times when we're coming into the conversation and something's not getting done and so we're upset, when we can really try to understand, my truth is this, what's your truth? And this is your truth. And neither one of them are wrong. They're just different. And allowing that to be present can a lot of times help them to find the common ground. When you really step back and understand, okay, this is really where they're at. But if we're upset ourselves, that's why we need somebody to listen to us because it brings down that emotional regulation. It, we, we become calm again then we can actually hear another person's perspective. Um, that has to be established first. I do not recommend anyone have a conversation unless they are calm to start with. That is the number one thing. You need to be calm. So that means going to bed angry is okay because then you can be calm and have a conversation the next day. That's just one uh, of my biggest things is when people tell married couples, don't go to bed angry. And I'm like, Shh. no, <laughs> I want to go to bed angry so that we can have a more productive conversation. Yeah, ex ex exactly. It's important to be able to come back to a conversation. That's why we hit the pause button. I teach that in the course too. It's so important to teach to how do you pause a conversation? What are the steps to do that? How do you do that in a way so that you can come back to the conversation, and actually have it be productive the next time? That's just so important. You got to know how. Actually, in our last, somebody's, some listeners, it's in, in our blog post from this, um, this last weekend, how to hit pause. <laughs> and I want to, oh, pause. I actually want to come back to that, but real quickly, because Lacey knows one of our participants from last season, participant Sarah, who also has a chronic health issue and has dealt with a lot in her family. She taught me something so important on that note of going to bed angry. She said, when you are tired, nothing that you say or anybody else say matters in the sense that go to bed. Like, it doesn't count. Like, this conversation is not productive. It doesn't count. You can't actually, it, like you have to, like Lacey said, go to bed, come back when you're rested. And that has been a huge game changer for me because at the end of the day, like between dinner and going to bed, I call them night crankies. Everyone in my house calls them, they're my night crankies. I can't, I really can't have any productive conversations. So if anything of conflict comes up, I'm like, I hear Sarah Barry in my head going, it doesn't count. Don't do it. Doesn't just don't even try to participate. It doesn't count. <laughs> and it's helped me. So I love what you said about hitting the pause button. Again, if kids learned this in school, can you imagine? Like if they realize they're escalating and they're like, oh, we're both escalating. Neither one of us is actually listening. What is mm -hmm. so hitting the pause button is important. So really quickly, what's one tool that our listeners can use that something you put in your blog post about hitting the pause button? 
it's important to return to the conversation later. You can't just hit the pause button and then never go back because then what happens yeah. is you get this emotional baggage that starts to develop and that's not better. So you have to learn how to hit the pause button, but then come back. That is the key component. Absolutely hit pause, hit the reset button, as Abraham Hicks would say, as your friend here would say, absolutely. Uh, Sarah, was it? Yes. The, the person on the pod. So I, I agree with him. You want to make sure you hit that reset button and get what you need so that you can come back to the conversation. And then when you start, so here's another tip when you, if you're trying to get back into the conversation, this is how you can do it. So yesterday I heard you say, blah, 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 blah. And I heard you feel this way about it. I've had some time to rest and I'm now in a place where I can hear you. Can we continue the conversation? It's that simple. It does not have to be hard. It's just, it's that simple. And then keep hold of your calm. If you lose your calm again, you're going to be like, mm, nope. <laughs> and I think this is what's so beautiful is I'm an expert listener. This happens to me. I have to hit pause. This is like, I'm trained to do this and I still, <laughs> there, I mean, when my son told me he wanted to go into the National Guard, I lost my cool. <laughs> and, but because he and I have been in a relationship for all of these years, he could see it. He could feel it. He knew I wasn't hearing him. He wasn't happy because I wasn't hearing him. And, you know, I had to say, look, I'm going to have to come back to this conversation. He's like, that's a good idea. Let's do that. <laughs> he like welcomed that because but by this time he understands and he knows that it gets better when I've had time to do my own work to calm down. And do you go, I don't even know if it's important to have the conversation, but I know there's a, there's different parts of the brain. So right when you're getting amped up and that cortisone, cortisol and everything, you're not even thinking with the logical part of your brain, right? Like you've, you're physically in the wrong, you're not being rational and calm. You're being I'm under attack. I'm being reactive. I'm going to throw all the daggers at one. <laughs> so it's like if there's like a brain science logic to walking away. Yeah. Yeah. And the amygdala gets activated and there's no access to the prefrontal cortex. Exactly that. Yes. Oh, the if people want the science behind. That's it. I think it's um, I think it is important for some people to hear the science. Because otherwise it can just sound a little, oh, because so-and-so is saying, and it's like, no, actually, because all of our brains function pretty similarly in that different parts of our brains have different points. And so some people, I feel like, need that logic and reason in order to get that buy-in. So I think that's, I think that's great. I mean, I think, again, if all of this could be taught in school, I just think it would be such a beautiful place. This world would be so different. The book, What Happened to You by Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Bruce Perry actually goes into that science in the most beautiful way that's accessible to any level of education that I've ever seen. I highly recommend it. There's already been millions of copies sold. It's a great book if you're trying to understand what that actually looks like in the brain. It's specifically written towards trauma, but anytime you have drama, the same process is going on in the brain. So it's really, really good. Oh. I highly recommend it. Well, and that brings up, I mean, I just had this thought while you were talking about how the no shame in the home game, it's about managing a home and how we we highlight, we're not taught how to do this like previous generations. We're kind of thrown into it. We're dealing with these situations that we don't have the tools for. And I just realized with the work that you do, yeah, we end up these households, our families, we end up with all these other people and we're not taught these skill set. We don't know. It, you know, how are you going to dig out of it if you're never taught? And so you just keep repeating these patterns of conflict and tension and 
you know, and that just keeps building and building. Yeah, I'm like, oh my, I just keep thinking, yeah, this is everybody, everybody's going to learn this. This is so how if people want, if people are listening and they're like, oh my gosh, I need this in my life. How do people work with you? What are the different ways that you can connect with your audience? If somebody needs like free options, let's talk about that really quick. So we have our blog on the website. Um, that's available to you right now. There's a free course. It's called Runaway Freight Train Brain. If you have a brain that's super, super active and you find it really hard to stay focused in a, uh, in a conversation, that's um, it's a mini course, but it's available now. Our blog is another way. So all of those. And on social media, we're everywhere. Just pick your favorite platform and search Hearing Out Life Drama will pop up. <laughs> we post everywhere. In terms of a paid opportunity, if somebody has a situation that, oh my God, I just want this woman to listen to me because she sounds fantastic. I do that. And I have a, I've trained a team of people to do that. And so you can just be heard. So you can book a time in 15, 30 or 45 minutes, depending on how much you need to say. And we will listen without giving advice unless we are specifically asked. It's a tenet of what we do when we listen. It's, it's, we're not going to tell you what we think you should do unless you really want to know what we think. And then we will. But otherwise, we just don't. Because a good listener doesn't do that. <laughs> and then, um, of course, we have, uh, I mentioned our course that's launching on October 4th, and that's Listen Your Way to Deeper Connections. Um, that's a little bit bigger buy-in. It's $247 as we launch it. That's the price point. But I feel like from the feedback that we've gotten, that's a reasonable price to ask people. And it's a worthwhile investment because it impacts your personal life. It impacts your professional life. If you're a life coach, whoever, it's it's a really impactful course, according to the people that have taken it. So. We had beta testers. That is so beautiful. I love that. As you were talking with the free course about staying focused in a conversation, it dawned on me because I worked with somebody who's an executive functioning coach who we're going to have on in another episode. Are you able to work with people who maybe have some neurodiversity, some challenge, like it's more of an uphill battle? Or do you feel like this can apply to everyone? How do you deal in those kind of unique circumstances like that? Absolutely. If there's somebody that is neurodiverse, yes. Two of my best friends have kids with autism. And so I've walked around in that world along for many years. And I am familiar, even though it's not my own personal experience, I've, I've walked among, among that. And I understand the challenges that can, can arise. Very compassionate towards, towards that. Can I help? Absolutely. I mean, a lot of times it's just about finding the right tool to be able to know when I'm in this situation, then I do this, that, that can help those, um, those folks out. Sarah and I are hard at work in creating the Home CEO course. If you are interested in the Home CEO course and potentially being one of our founding members, you can go to noshameinthehomegame.com, Home CEO, and sign up for the waitlist to be notified as soon as it goes on sale. That's no shame in the home game.com backslash home CEO. I keep track of so many different things, whether it's from the middle, no shame in the home game, all of the different business ventures that are part of those things. And I also keep track of a lot of things in our household from things that we need to repair and do and flows, all of that stuff. And the thing that I use to do all of that is Notion. Notion is this amazing blank slate where you build your own app and database depending on what you need. 
they have some amazing templates to help you get started. But once you get in there and start using it, you see how things work and come together. And it is magic and easy and beautiful. It's like a to-do list meets a database with workflows. And then you can even get AI right into Notion to help you come up with words when words are hard, because let's be honest, they are. We have a link for Notion to help you potentially. If you go to noshameinthehomegame.com backslash N-O-T-I-O-N, you can get a link into Notion and potentially sign up for a plan. They do have free plans and paid plans. If anything, go get a free plan because it is so cool and you'll fall in love like me and become a notion advocate. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm just looking at all my notes. I've been, if you see me looking down, it's because I'm just writing all these notes down. I'm like, what do I want to come back to? Can I ask a quick question? Oh, of course. Yes. I'm curious about how this would differ. I mean, I know because I've been in therapy, but I imagine that might be a question that you get often as far as how this looks different than therapy. Absolutely. So we're not life coaches and we're not therapists. We're really clear about both of those things. In fact, we will not take any client more than six times in a rolling calendar year because we don't want to get into that. A therapeutic alliance forms about that sixth appointment time. There's a whole trust piece that comes aboard about, it's a concept therapeutic alliance. If people aren't familiar with it, it's really how you get to the next phase of therapy. So anyway, um, we're not that. And uh, if people need that, we obviously want to help them get there. But if finances are a problem, or maybe you're even in therapy and you just can't make it to your next session, if you just need to like, oh my God, I need somebody to hear this. Certainly when I was in the throes of caregiving, sometimes I needed that. Well, I was thinking about myself, like uh, the listeners have heard my husband. We've been on a thing together and I think he's the greatest person in the world. And I'm always very thoughtful of, of course, we have issues, in, you know, all those different things because we're human and we're living together. But I, I have this very visceral reaction, like whenever I talk about him with people in our world, I want to be his defense attorney as well. Like, but no, see, he's wonderful. He's all of these things. And so then I'm spending a lot of my energy defending him while I'm trying to get my point across. And it's not satisfying. So I know for me, I'm like, oh, that would be great just to be like, I got to vent about Joe. <laughs> Just get it out and then be able to move on and be done with it and not feel like I've tainted somebody else's view on him in a very, un what I would think is unfair. But that's, as soon as you were talking, I'm like, that's, yes, that would be great. <laughs> that's what I do. And that's what I do. And that's very different than therapy. When you're in therapy, yeah. you're trying to unravel a specific problem. When you're in therapy, you're trying to say, okay, I'm aware I have this behavioral pattern and it's not working for me and I'm stuck here and I need help figuring out how to be different. I want to make this life change, and I'm just not sure. A life coach is all about, uh, I'm at point A, I want to get to point B, and they're about helping you get from point A to point B and cheering you on while you do it and giving you maybe some things that you didn't know to get you there. What I'm doing is entirely different altogether. It's um, outsourcing your best friend <laughs> just for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually, I'm writing that and down. I, I that's, think that's really great. That's brilliant. <laughs> Know. Because I know I have been in, we call it the deep hole of life sometimes, right? And you do, you out, you go to, you tap on your friends, but you do get to a point where you've been in that hole for so long where you think, oh, am I going to start to fizzle out this friendship because I'm burning it too hard, right? So to have that kind of outlet to be like, oh, this person, I'm not worried about like, what's on the other side of this. I can just do a big old dump because yeah, sometimes you just need to just get it off your 
chest and it feels so much lighter. But yeah, but without taxing those relationships in your life that you want to. Or a stranger. (laughs) I feel like I'm always the stranger that gets the dump out of nowhere. And I'm like, I was just sitting here. I was just in line at Rayleigh's or I was just sitting in the chair getting my hair cut and my poor hairdresser just got. Yeah, yeah. They actually, I've actually had conversations with them about my business and they're like, oh my God, I'd love to give your card out to people. <laughs> but they're like, I don't know how to do that without seeming. Now that you say that though, think about it. A bartender, a hairdresser. Yeah. These are all yeah. places, a taxi cab driver where you feel as yeah. though, oh, I can tell them anything. And you back to that religious figure. Oh, I can just get off my yeah. chest and they're not going to judge me. I'm not threatening our relationship because it's, you know. There's a lot more freedom there. And oh, yeah, I'm just, this is so beautiful of a service of the listening and then teaching other people how to listen. When you said back in earlier, you said about this, the listening mistakes and this, you know, the cycle of not listening leads to repair work. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, I can see it, you know, just you were talking about like then the emotional back, right? And it just gets deeper and heavier. So, to people listening to this, what is a common listening mistake that somebody might be able to kind of key into and and make some steps forward to be a better listener? Let's just take the one that we've talked about most. It's been it's come up a couple of times in the conversation already. It's fixing ones. It's fixing, right? So I'm listening to you and I can see the answer to your problem and I don't understand why you don't see the answer to your problems. So here it is. So that's really one of the the primary one. And how do you stop doing that? So learning is a process. And so you, you're not going to just say, oh, I don't want to fix anymore and just automatically stop doing it. So you have to learn. And so it's about, okay, maybe somebody points it out to you once and says, hey, you're doing this behavior. Could you maybe not do that? And then suddenly you hear it and you're like, oh, I guess I did do that. And so that's the first step because that's awareness. You have to have awareness before you can make a life change. And okay, so now we have, now we're working with awareness. And so then the next piece would be, Maybe you're listening to somebody and you catch yourself starting to do it like in the process. And so that's like the next step. But you've already stumbled into it. You're already out with her and you're like, ah, crap. You didn't make that change, right? So that's okay. And and one of the things I just really want to like validate for people is you don't have to, none of us gets it right all of the time. It's okay to be human. It's okay to make mistakes. But as always, I try to be better. Like I was... I want to be better. I want to do better. Every time we know better, we do better. This is like a foundational thing that my business partner, Linda, we, we, that's how we live. Okay. So now we've, we're aware, okay, we're not going to try and we're in the midst of the conversation. So now we have to take it the next step further. So now there's awareness before I even start the conversation. Now you're to where I really want you to be. And that is um, before we're even going to enter into any of this conversation, we're going to say, okay, I know I'm, I might do this. And so I'm really going to pay attention when I'm listening to make sure I don't. And so I'm going to apply then the core of the knowledge that I've learned, and I'm going to make sure that I'm following those steps and not doing that. So anyway, I hope it helps somebody. That's, no, that is beautiful. I learned to do that with my, so first of all, I'm a problem solver. I love to see solutions and I love, I get a thrill out of helping people. And I've had to learn that not everybody wants to hear solutions. And that's been a good life lesson for me. And so I have learned with my son. If I see something, and you know, as a parent, it's clear as day. And if it's not a safety thing, he's not going to get hurt. Sometimes I'll say, would you like a suggestion on how to problem solve this? And often he'll say, no, thank you. Okay. 
Sometimes he'll come back an hour later or a day later and say, what, how would you do this? And sometimes in the moment he'll say, yeah, actually, I have no idea what to do. But I'm like, oh my gosh, that tension of me forcing a solution on him and him pushing back because he wants to try to fix it his own way. And it's, and then I don't get mad and I can be like, whatever, he'll ask me if he wants an idea. But that's been a huge game changer for me. So I'm thinking about an example of, I'm just thinking of common frustrations. Can I give Sarah, can I give you a compliment real quick? She's, she does that as a friend and a business partner too. She's always so good at saying, hey, can I reframe that for you? Or hey, are you open to a suggestion? And I really appreciate that as a friend and a business partner personally. And so well, not just with your son, I you do it in a lot of places. And honestly, people won't hear you. People won't be able to take in. If you haven't asked them that, they won't, yeah. they won't, they're not ready. And so I just, that's exactly what I, what you just described there with your son is exactly what I teach people to do is exactly that. Because if they're ready, then they, you, then you've established that they're open and ready to take in what, what you're saying as opposed to just not being ready. And then I was picturing a, com- I was picturing a common scenario with household tension that I deal, you know, that I see people dealing with and I've dealt with is the overtaxed person in the household who's doing most of the majority of things and they're frustrated and they're overwhelmed. And so they might turn to a family member and, oh, you never pick up your socks. And, oh, I asked you to do that a million times. And I just pictured while you were talking, what if that person who was receiving that just turned and said, I hear you. I hear you. That must be really frustrating. And just like, I was like, oh, wow, that would really change the tone of the rest of the conversation. Instead of being defensive, instead of jumping up and doing it, instead of fighting back. Oh, I hear you. But actually hearing them, not just saying it as like a trick or, you know, to get out a free card. Yeah. yeah, that would be beautiful, too. Oh, my gosh. I almost feel like this would be a great package to give couples who are moving in together or getting married. <laughs> Learning how to listen so that you will I enjoy agree. each other a little bit more as the years go on. For my niece's graduation, I gave her an investing class. Like, here. Okay. I, so I'm all for it. I think that's a great idea because, like, it's. Because I told her, I'm like, no one taught me about this and you have the power right now to make the biggest impact possible. So here you go. And so I I agree. I think that's a much better gift than the fourth toaster that they didn't register for. (laughs) You're going to get on something they didn't register for. That's a good way to go. (laughs) Yes. Yes, because you're taking all of that lack of not knowing how to listen two people and then putting that together when at the end of the day we all just want to be heard but thinking of your services it's like if you both want to be heard and neither one of you can hold space to listen then it's like you both make a 15 20 minute phone call to hold get it out let your emotional center come down <laughs> so we're going to pause this and we're both going to call Deb and her partner <laughs> to bring our emotional centers back down I do have to tell our listeners, just in case somebody thinks you do have to book online and we do call, reach out to call you. 
simply because I had a really, I had a learning experience. I will just leave it at that. I had a learning experience and I learned that I need to be the one to <laughs> initiate the call yeah. uh, because I need to have the little box check that, yes, you agree to, uh, to our consent and our legal ease. I got myself in a situation. I'm not going to say any more about that, but yeah. So I'll call you. Okay. So, the, so it goes, we're both tense. We're having this. We need to push pause. Let's go book a call. And after we've had yeah. time to talk with our listener, we can come back and hold healthy space for each other. Yeah. Perfect. Which gives you yes. even more time for your cortisol levels to calm down. What do you do? So this is interesting. So let's say you're having a conversation. You realize you need to push pause. Then do you have any tips or recommendations about how do you then bring your emotional center back to regulation <laughs> from that? Yeah. Um, one of the best ways is get physical because it allows it to work out of your body because we're talking about chemicals that are actually in our body. So if you can, uh, I understand, Lacey, for you, that might not be possible. So for you, maybe I'd suggest journaling. But if somebody could be physical, definitely go do that. Get Take a walk, whatever. Even petting the dog can be something that's calm, something, some animal that's already centered and you know, already <laughs> aligned. <laughs> Just borrow some of theirs for a little bit. But those things can definitely help. Oh, that's beautiful. I learned that inadvertently during the pandemic when I was homeschooling my son. And before I let the teacher know, hey, this is not healthy for anyone's mental health in our house, so I'm not going to be doing this. Before I made that statement, there was a day where things had just, there were so many slamming doors and crying and it just wasn't going well. And I remember in the moment, I just, I said, put on your shoes. And he's like, where are we going? I said, put on your shoes. And I just grabbed the dog and him. And we just started walking. Where are we going? I don't know. Just keep walking. And I was like, I had no idea what the answer was. All I knew was we couldn't sit in the house because we were just rehashing the same argument. All I, and you know, it was cold. We couldn't even go anywhere. And so I was just like, I don't know. We're just going to walk. And then we just walked until we, but I could feel that we both were, and oh my gosh, I'm just crying because it was so hard and we were stuck. We were just stuck. Every day became the same. And you know what? We walk almost every single day now. And we, even if we're not tense, we just walk. And I hear the most from my son when we're walking. And, and even the other day we came home from something and I was, I knew I was not in a healthy mindset. And my, and I just said to my husband, I'm going to go walk the dog. I don't, I'll be back at some point. I don't know. But it was just like, I knew nothing good was going to come out of my mouth. Oh, yeah. And yeah, even if I could just pet the dog and just get that. That's really great self-awareness. And I'll just say that I have also been a homeschooling parent. So I know exactly <laughs> the slamming doors and the frustration you're talking about it. It was a real thing for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So much good stuff. Oh. I just, I feel so inspired and happy by your work that it exists, that you're planting this seed that is for just so much goodness. I'm, I'm really excited and I am so thankful we had this conversation. Lacey, do you have any other questions for Deb? I have a thousand. And so that's where I'm trying to decide. I always have so many questions. I feel like a lot of times we give resources to the spouse who is what we would call the home CEO, the one who's in it more. Would, do you have any like tips for maybe someone who is more of a supporting role in their household of like, how can they listen to someone who has a lot of stuff going in their mind? Because I think a lot of times when we think of 
traditionally, it's maybe like an overworked mom and that kind of thing. How do we give the tools to the people around her to make her feel better, I think, is my question. that I got there in a little bit of a roundabout way. That's okay. I understood. We want to give permission. We want to give permission for her to be however she is, however she feels, in whatever moment it is, and however messy that looks like. Permission to simply be is permission to be seen, heard, and to know that that you matter in someone else's world. And that's really, really powerful. When you do that, you'll notice all of the relationships get better. I do notice that with my children of like, when I can tell that they feel very seen by me and that I'm like in it on their level and that kind of thing. Um, and I'm not trying to correct constantly. There really is that that moment of like, oh, we're connected and their behavior changes rather quickly. So it, it does yeah. that fantastic. And because they have the answers within themselves, they just need to feel that that piece of knowing that you're there with them mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. Yeah, all of us have the answers in our side of ourselves. We just have to have the ability to access it. And I think that's so beautiful what you said. So I was just thinking about that that typical overworked mom managing a home. She's got her own job to think about, everyone in the house. And there is that frustration, that overtiredness. And like you said, to just to give permission to feel whatever is going on, thinking about those unhealthy loops. When the mom feels shame that they're frustrated at their family, who they should love, but they don't feel great. And then if they don't feel as though they can show up with whatever emotion they're having, it just it builds and it builds. So that's I think that's so beautiful to just everyone who's listening. If you do get in that position, giving yourself permission, this is what I'm feeling right now. And then if I can just give it space, it'll probably dissipate faster than me trying to bury it under other emotion. Just bury it. Just put some paint on it. Just put a throw pillow on it. Just light a candle. Just bury it. <laughs> Suddenly told my mom, I was like, did you know that if you just feel your feelings, they go away faster? And she was like, I don't think that's right. I'm like, yes. <laughs> And it was even more empowering when I learned that's actually guidance. Like when we feel something, that's our guidance. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, that's fantastic. Yeah. It, they go away so much faster. Like you said, the answers are inside of us, but we're not taught to tap into that internal guidance system. We're taught, no, listen to whoever's older than you, who's standing over you looking like a position of authority, override all of those feelings inside of you. <laughs> yes. That's what happened to all of us, yeah. And I love that, Lacey. So you had that realization and then your mom, who is, you know, had the same upbringing as us, you know, I don't think that's right. <laughs> oh my gosh, the answer. I mean, she said it jokingly, but in yeah. a, but, you know, recognizing that, yeah, not what we did. Well, and this was on one of our previous episodes. I we were sharing about what was it being oh toxic positivity and we were talking about you know it's okay to embrace what's not great and how I had growing up if I was ever sharing what was hard in my life somebody would come back to me and tell me about somebody who had it harder than me so I went from feeling crappy about my situation to feeling sadness over somebody else's so my crappy just got buried 
you can't feel crappy because you don't have it as bad. And so to Lacey's point, as an adult now, I'm learning like, oh, I get to feel this without comparing it to somebody else's situation. I get to just let it be. And that's okay. And that's enough. Oh my goodness. That's another listening mistake people make. Sarah, that's exactly it. That's that I would just point out that right there. That's another one. <laughs> yep. Oh my God. Yeah. Growing up, I thought I wasn't allowed to be upset about anything because I wasn't starving, because I wasn't without clothes, because I wasn't, you know, like I was like, oh, I guess I'm, oh, I'm not supposed to be upset because. Because I don't have it the worst. And then I learned about something. This is fast forwarding, but grief Olympics where people like want to out grief one another. (laughs) No, we can all have our own situations and they just they all exist independently. That's true. And this is true. And I don't have to tell you mine to be with yours. I can just let that be over here and know that's my truth and hold space with you because I understand what that's like. I love that you just bookended that. We just, you brought it right back to the beginning. <laughs> this is true. And this is true. I, that's just, I feel like I want to say that in my family now, like all the time. <laughs> this is true. And this is true. It's profound though. I mean, think about the power if you teach your children that and they're involved. Think about their future. Uh, if they really understand that in their relationships, if they understand that in their jobs, it's going to be profound for them. They're going to be able to function so much better because they're not going to go into every place thinking I have to be right. They're not going to, they're not going to go into all of the conflict. They're going to understand I can be alongside you and let you have your own opinion and still be okay inside of me. That's powerful. That's empowerment. Deb, you are changing the world. I am really excited for this ripple. It's all about the ripple, right? If you touch five people, those five people reach out to five more people. I mean, it's a ripple and it's beautiful. Please tell the listeners, and we'll have this in the show notes, but please tell everyone your website, how to follow you, get in touch, all the good things. So the website's hearingoutlifedrama.com. You can sign up. A newsletter and blog comes out weekly. The newsletter is once a month. Um, if you sign up for our free resource, we have a resource right available right now, Rescuing a Conversation. Um, it's that's That resource is free. Sometimes, you know, it starts to go sideways. And then what do you do? It's help for that. And talk to someone about the pausing that we touched on here. But yeah. So anyway, the website, you can find those things. And Instagram, we're at Hearing Out Life Drama. TikTok, Hearing Out Life Drama. Pinterest, we're a hold listener. Let's see, YouTube. I think if you type in, in YouTube, Hearing Out Life Drama, we pop up too. I think the official channels hold listener on that one too, but yeah, anyway, we're even on Snapchat. <laughs> I don't post a lot on Snapchat, but we're there on there occasionally. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing this. Thank you for making the world a better place with your work. This is thank you. Thanks for listening to No Shame in the Home Game. We hope you can take a little nugget to use in your own home. Remember to subscribe to the podcast in your player of choice, like us on social media, rate and review, and share with all of your friends. You can always visit joyfulsupportmovement.com to learn more about No Shame in the Home Game and the other Joyful Support podcasts. While you're there, you can join the newsletter or sign up for the Joyful Support Village. Now go out there and spread joy.